What's up, friend? Today, I have such a treat for you because I interviewed my friend, Hillary Hendershot from Hendershot Wealth Management, and she is so amazing. You're going to absolutely love her. We really went over how to get started in business on the right financial footing. I know how confusing setting up your business can be. You've got questions. Girl, you got questions on what the heck do I need to have in place before I start my business? What is this whole thing about an LLC and an S-Corp and a C-Corp and a P-Corp and a Z-Corp? I'm so confused. Does a business owner pay themselves and how does that work? Should I do my own bookkeeping? Should I hire somebody? How the heck do I maximize my tax benefits of owning a business and everything in between? Well, today we cover all of those questions. So definitely grab a notebook and pen because we're about to dive deep into the financial basics so that we can make this super duper simple for you. I hope that you enjoy this conversation with my friend Hillary as much as I enjoyed recording it. Hey friend, do you want to grow your online business and actually make more money? Are you sick of feeling pressure to constantly show up on social media or be tied to your phone 24 seven? Do you wish you had more time to be present with your kids without worrying about your business falling apart? There's a way to simplify and streamline so you can make money, grow your audience, and still have balance in your life and business. Hey, I'm Steph Gass, Christian business and podcast coach, boundary boss, and multi six-figure CEO. Want to learn how I did it? Go refill your iced coffee because I'm about to teach you how to take your online business to the next level with God at the center of it all. I pray this blesses you. Let's get it. Hey friend, before we dive into this very tactical episode that is going to blow your mind so you're going to feel super equipped with all the financial basics, I wanted to let you know that you can come hang out with me and my incredible team at our free Facebook community. You can find it at stephgascommunity.com. That's S-T-E-F-G-A-S-S community.com. And over 10,000 faith-led entrepreneurs and podcasters just like you are hanging out in there, collaborating, connecting, growing, being inspired together. And again, it is free and we have got it going on. That is the best and most fun Facebook group you will ever be part of, if I do say so myself. Again, stephgascommunity.com. And if you have not left a quick review for the podcast, friend, please take 30 seconds and do that right now. It is the number one way that we get featured, that the show gets shown to other people who might be looking to grow their business. And it's also my greatest joy. Reading your reviews every single week really just lights me up makes me so excited to continue doing this work and I would just love to hear from you. So you can do so by going into Apple Podcasts, finding the show, scrolling down to write a review. It's little purple writing pretty far down on the app. Click that and leave a review. And last but not least, if you have a question for me and you want me to answer it live on the air, you can go record that question or leave a verbal testimony that I can feature right here on the podcast at stephaniegass.com slash the podcast. All right, let's go. Hello, my beautiful friend, Hillary. I'm so excited you're on the podcast today. Welcome. I know. It's been so great to to meet you and know you and interview on my show, and now I'm here, so it's just great. It is so great. I just, I, I met you back, just for everybody some context, back in February of this year at a mastermind, and, you know, I'm just my crazy, weird, in-your-face self, and you had to learn to love me very quickly. <laughs> There's nothing to do but love you. And if you had said that was a year ago, I wouldn't have been surprised. It feels like so much has happened since then. Crazy. Time just flies. 
Yeah. So one of the incredible giftings that you bring to the table is you are just a finance, financial powerhouse. You are an absolute expert. And I mean, you can talk about anything from these beginner finance topics and you go so advanced <laughs> and so far forward into financial, just wealth of knowledge, wealth building and financial planning and all of these incredible things. Tell us a little bit about who you are, Hillary, so that my audience can get to know you. And then I'd love if you'd kind of start with your own money story for us. I would love to do that because it really is what allows me to be here. So thank you. So I'm Hillary Hendershot. I'm the owner and founder of Hendershot Wealth Management. We're a wealth management firm. When we started, it was all about serving women. At this point, 40% of our clients are men. So, But we do that with these really feminine-based principles, compassion, empathy, um, you know, a lot of really just humility and sitting shoulder to shoulder with our clients. I, um, and this is not going to be a sermon from the Mount because I got humbled financially. So I'm at this point, 25 years into my career, about eight years into my career, I found myself advising millionaires and multimillionaires during the day, how to grow investment portfolios. I have my, my degrees and my professional certification, and I'm coming home at night to a stack of bills that I won't open because I can't pay them. I was a massive overspender, had been from the first time I got a paycheck. I'm earning about $100,000 a year, spending $120,000, right? And so you do that for a couple of years and you dig yourself into a pretty big mess. So at my financial worst, I had about $150,000 of combined student loan, credit card, and auto debt. Here I am driving a gorgeous BMW convertible, can't afford to put gas in the tank, right? Right. I have $420,000 in mortgage debt on a condo that in 2008 fell to $190,000 of appraised value. Wow. Right? So I really got myself to the end of the financial line. And I remember the moment when I realized, you know, I had been having financial emergencies. My parents had to dig me out. One time my boyfriend wrote me a check for 1500 bucks and I, I needed the money, but I felt like, the worst kind of failure. I was so ashamed and so regretful. And I had this moment, I could see into the future, Steph. (laughs) And I could see it was filled only with more and different versions of this same kind of mess. And I thought, I can't let this happen. Whatever it takes, I have to turn this around. And I thought to myself, what the heck is the difference between me and the people I see next to me, Hmm. people I went to college with, got my certifications with? We all intend to have financial health, yet I'm failing in their winning. And I thought, okay, so it comes from behavior. Behavior comes from psychology. Well, I have a degree in economics. I'm a certified financial planner. Nobody ever talked to me about money psychology, Mm -hmm. right? So I became a student of behavioral finance. Again, money psychology, neuropsychologist, which just said in short, study the impact of the words that we use, which of course come from our beliefs. Um, about things that are conceptual in life, such as time. Time is super conceptual. Also money. It just so turns out that the words we use, which come from our childhood beliefs about money, are very impactful. So I figured out the hole in my financial bucket. I, first of all, when I grew up, for me, it was real. There was never enough money. Now, Hmm. come to find out later, my mom was just a great saver, right? She was just a fiscally very conservative, living on an average income. She did a great job for herself. But I couldn't have my brand name stuff. I couldn't have the stuff I 
I wanted. So for me, there's never enough money. Mm -hmm. Then at some point I also picked up, oh, if people think I'm financially successful, they'll like me. Like I can buy people's approval. So I really had it twisted the emblems of wealth confused with the reality of wealth. Right. And I'm playing this super destructive game just throwing good money after bad, like trying to buy people's approval. Meanwhile, my bank accounts are empty and my FICO score, by the way, that was in the 400s. So, so it was, it was slow in the, it was brutal. It was brutal. And hopefully my rock bottom is way lower than anyone else who's listening to this has to go. Um, and, and my unraveling that, I mean, I just got completely financially transparent. I I just said, whatever is my natural inclination to do with money, I'm going to do the opposite. Right. And I just, I told everyone exactly what was so for several years. I mean, just between you and me, and this was many years ago. So take inflation into account when you hear this number, but I lived on an $8 a day food budget. I did not buy coffee in a coffee shop for two years. Okay. Um, and money compounds on itself. So after a few years of that and really doing the right things day after day after day, I look at my bank accounts and I go, whoa, I've really made a debt. I've paid off the debt. I've rebuilt my retirement savings. I'm on my way to a down payment for a home. And I thought to myself, bigger than me, bigger than fixing this problem I had, I have figured something out that can be of value for people. And so it really is that I say I'm a graduate of the money school of hard knocks that really gives me that compassion, understanding, no matter where you are financially, I either have been there myself or know someone who has. uh, And I know for myself that it takes almost an equal attention to the money mindset piece of of life as it does to the money tactics. And so I have the textbook, the sort of professional education in the in the in the tactics stuff, but also the real world experience in the other. And at this point, and I, I just share this so people know my my transformation is real. I own a home in California. I own a home in Puerto Rico from a Uh, financial like account balances perspective, I could retire. I could stop working right now. I work because I want to, not because I have to. Mm -hmm. And so there's a saying we say to people who come work with us, no matter how money has gone for you in the past, you can have an abundance of it in your future. And I am definitely living proof that that's true. So it it really gives me um, a, a calling, a purpose on the planet because so many people struggle with money. So my intention is to shorten your learning curve. I'm so here for this. And I think it's interesting that you you share this story in, in, in this visualization of like, we so often walk through when we go through the trials and the hard things in life. Those are often such clues as to what our calling work is and to what the thing is that God's going to have us be, be working on in our future, right? Which you had, you had to go through the whole breakdown of the financial, like literally every piece of that thing torn apart, you know, free to now look where I, you sit. I nuclear bombed it, friend. Yeah. Like I nuclear bombed in business a few times because I had to understand, I think, the psychology around how do I help someone else build a business? And that's similarly for you in the financial space. So good. So what do you do for people now, Hillary? What does this look like when you meet with a client and you're doing services for them? 
Yeah, we have two things that we do. The first is uh, traditional comprehensive fiduciary wealth management. So it's what you probably think it is. We manage people's money on their behalf. We wrap around that consultative services, uh, including uh, advice on what insurances to buy, what kinds of accounts to save in, how much to save. Like we help people with budgeting. Um, we talk about their income taxes. So we actually, with the software that's available now, can do tax estimates for people. We don't prepare tax returns, but we're, especially in today's world, taxes are a big chunk out of people's bank accounts. So we yes. make sure you're not paying penalties, you're paying your estimated quarterlies correctly. So that's wealth management. And that's kind of, once you've extracted money from your business accounts, paid the tax on it and put it in your personal accounts, that's when it's time to really grow your nest egg or your personal net worth. So that's wealth management. And for those of you who have heard the terms fiduciary or fee only, we are both of those, meaning I only sell my advice. I don't sell any products. And that's important because you want to know that the advice your financial advisor is giving you lines your pocket and not hers. Yes. And then we also have this sort of fractional chief financial officer offer for business owners. So we are profit first certified professionals. I have a team of uh, four certified financial planners and profit first certified professionals. And it's a, a year long container where we both, we engage neuroplasticity to change your money mind at the same time as teaching you everything you need to know, but not everything we know about yeah. how to manage money. We're like you just need to know how to navigate the forks in the road. Ultimately, you're in business because you're great at doing what you're great at. You don't need you don't need a textbook, or you could go sure. take the CFP program, right? Yes. Um, and then we have a kind of a low cost money coaching offer, just live money coaching to talk about talk talk through these things if um, if that's a the appropriate offer for you. So amazing. I love that. So my listeners, they come often with the heart to start a new business or they have, they're new in their business, right? Hillary, they have started the podcast or they're going to start the podcast. And then I teach how to utilize coaching or building an online course is the way that we monetize the show. Yeah. And what I find that they're most confused around when it comes to money is like all the financial basics. Yes. So I kind of want to pick your brain today on financial basics for my audience. And I know that you're going to be able to just provide so much peace and clarity because it's actually not as hard as maybe we make it or maybe that it seems when we're getting started. So I would just love to like spitfire these questions at you yeah. and you can help us really understand the basics. So the first question is, what are some things that someone might need to put in place before they start their business? Okay. And to tack onto that, does it matter if you're profitable versus not? Because I hear people say like, well, I don't need to set up whatever until I'm actually making money. Kind of curious around the when as well. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, and that question, does it come from, I don't need to set up an LLC or an S corp or something like that? Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Or, yeah. So, yeah. So in the beginning, uh, I would recommend you can, so you definitely need separate bank accounts. Okay, you have your business bank account, your personal bank account. I personally have my personal accounts at Citibank, my business accounts at Chase. I keep trying to get away from Chase. I was with WAMU when they got bought by Chase. Then I was with First Republic when they failed early this year and they got yeah. bought by Chase. So I said, obviously, I'm supposed to be a client of Chase. Chase Bank. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
the big banks, they have their downsides, but what we want is a very workable, intuitive interface so you can log into your portal and a very functional mobile app. You're on the go. You want to be able to see how much money you have. Yes. You want this firewall in between your business money and your personal money um, because how you spend money over the course of the year is going to make it so simple and easy to do your taxes and your bookkeeping at the end of the year. You don't want to have those accounts together because then you have to manually separate all those transactions. As you know, anything you spend on your business is fundamentally a tax deduction, meaning you just take that take that amount off your top line revenue when you go to uncle Sam and say how much money you've made. And then you don't have to pay tax on that. So it's the equivalent of saving 25 to 30% on every transaction. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, um, this is my cell phone in this little wallet. I have my ID, (laughs) a personal credit card and a business credit card. That's it. That's all I carry. Me too. Uh, I, for many years, did not allow myself to have credit cards, but now I have requalified to carry, I'm, I am, <laughs> I, I have proved I can pay my bills at the end of the month. So it, as long as you can count on yourself to pay your credit cards off at the end of the month, you should definitely use credit cards to earn points. Yep. So, um, so you have your business bank account, your business credit card. Now that business credit card, unless you own a large warehouse that has a lot of manufacturing equipment in it or something, it's going to be in your personal name. So what I'm saying, business card versus personal card, it's an artificial barrier. You're not going to get credit in your business's name. Even at my business's level, seven figures and more, they don't offer credit to businesses. Why? Because a business business isn't an entity. A business has no ability to pay bills without a human being to pay those bills. Okay. So just uh, granting that it's an artificial breakdown, but the purpose of having two different banks is just to reinforce that wall in between the two accounts. Uh, as soon as you can, it would be great for you to set your, I'm, I'm going to get back to your question about entities too. Okay. It would be great to set yourself up on payroll, but probably for the first 12, maybe 24 months, you're not on payroll. Uh, the purpose of, uh, putting yourself on payroll is uh, eventually uncle Sam or the IRS is going to want to see that you are on payroll because they want you paying those employment taxes. Um, but you know, you're not, you're probably not going to get audited. Like I said, in your first 12 to 24 months. So when you go into your business bank account and transfer money to your personal account, that's you paying yourself as the owner of the business. You're going to owe income taxes on that amount. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just want to be cautious, careful, and conservative about when and how much you do that, because too often people are then just putting personal monies back into their business accounts. If the business account dwindles, the bank account balance gets low, I'm not feeling comfortable, I didn't accurately predict when revenues are gonna come in, right? And it's happened, it's happened to me a handful of times Mm -hmm. over 14 years in business, 15 years in business. You just want it to be kind of a big deal, more than just, oh, I'm just moving money from this account to this account in the same portal, right? So there's a little bit of static there. Okay, now, does it matter if you're profitable? No, because you're not gonna know till the end of the year if you're profitable. Mm -hmm. Um, I do know that there's lots of, I did a a podcast interview the other day on my show with a woman, we were talking about Instagram financial advice. Uh Uh, It's almost always bunk. I, I, I see these, you know, 30 second reels or something. And it's always like an eye roll. Like really that's, that's the hill you're going to die on. Huh? Um, 
<laughs> so the idea of being an S corp or mm -hmm. a C corp, this is really something to be in consultation with your tax planner about. Mm -hmm. It does have to do with the construction of your business. You're probably just my experience is you're probably going to be an S corp, but again, that's a tax thing. Yes. Then this whole right. LLC thing, LLC is a limited liability company, and that's a legal protection. So S Corp, C Corp, that's tax, LLC, and you're not going to be an LLP. That's only for accountants and lawyers. LLC is, is legal. And the reason you would have an LLC, and I do have an LLC, is if you're kind of in a litigious business. So finances, cybersecurity, child care, right? These kinds of things. From what I know about your practice, I'm thinking the businesses you help folks start probably aren't that. Yeah. For the most part, your clients are unlikely to get sued. Yes. Now, some of them have health related or um, what is it called? Like a counseling related where they would be, you know, I'm going to counsel okay. these couples. So those they would consider. And even for and me, that, I found an LLC because I was like, why not? Yeah, and yeah. then as, because it's not expensive, or at least where yeah. I live, it wasn't expensive to have that legal protection and explain, Hillary, I know we're not lawyers, but we know the basics. Like why, how, why does an LLC protect someone's assets in their business versus in their personal life? How does that work? It is sort of like a cloak of protection around your business. It separates the business legally from you as a human being. So in the same way, if you're a parent, you may have written up a trust document uh -huh. and then titled your house to that trust. Well, now should you default on a $100,000 credit card, your creditors can't come after your house. In the same way, if your business gets sued, uh, so the way my business is right now, if I were to get sued, the the the, the attachable assets are the assets, current as, uh, bank account balance and future income of the business only, not yes. me and my husband. So right. my personal assets are protected. Now it's not, un it's not universal. It's not a hundred percent. So there's mm -hmm. a thing called piercing the corporate veil. Um, that's way beyond the scope of this conversation. All I'm saying is it's not bulletproof, but yeah. it's good. And right. you're right. It's not expensive. The thing I want to encourage people though, is I see people not selling, not doing business, not starting a business out of confusion. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I'm always want to say, look, your business is the income earned by the business. So thinking about not starting a business because you don't know if you need an LLC or an S Corp is really silliness. So yes. go do your business. Yep. At the end of the year, you can consult with your tax person. You could, yes. you could like, you just went and did an LLC proactively. You can always do that over in the course of your yes. business. Later. Uh, it's not a reason to not go earn money. Exactly. I was earning lots of money before we did the LLC and then lots and lots more money before we became an S Corp and kept that LLC protection as well. So there's layers and levels to this, but what we're saying is get started. And you started. Go make some money. Go make some money. And then you can add these things on. I love that you made it. You, I didn't know this, I guess, that the LLC is the legal side, but then the S Corp, C Corp is the tax thing. I've always kind of thought of them all as like this tax thing. So that's nice to yeah. differentiate that in my mind. And then we're going to set up split bank accounts and we're going to have this, those split credit cards as long as we can pay them off every single month, maybe at different banks to create the firewall. Love that. Let's talk about, you touched on payroll for a minute. 
as this beginner conversation here. So let's say somebody's, you know, got started and they've got the first five coaching clients, right, Hillary, um, <laughs> and they're pulling in $1,000 a month into their mm-hmm. new business and they're putting it. When we talk about paying ourselves, this gets very confusing for people because they think like, well, I made this $1,000 a month. So what's, what do you mean when you say pay myself from the thousand, can you kind of go into that and maybe like what that threshold would look like where you think it'd be worth it to pull that money from the business account and start paying yourself? That's a good question. I would say, okay, so first of all, money earned by your business is still in your business account. That's not your money. Now, can you go spend that money on a tank of gas if you're traveling around town to do business? Yes, that would be a business expense. Can you pay your office rent from that account? Absolutely, yes, that's a business expense. Once you've paid your overhead, money you then put in your personal account, which is what you would go to use to buy your groceries, your kids' shoes, pay school tuition, right? Those are not business expenses for you. So those are not deductible. You have to pay yourself into your personal account um, in order to do that. So the way to do that right, just circling back to the separate accounts conversation, don't pay your kids' school tuition from your business account. First, move it to your personal account, right? Um, So you can pay your business expenses first or your overhead. Then what's left over, you have the right to move to your personal account. You are going to owe income tax on that amount. Uh, I would say the right time to start thinking about payroll is when you bring in employees. Now, some of you are terrified of having employees or just don't need them. You want to go 1099 with contractors and vendors for a long time. That can be fine as well. That gets into very subjective conversations, right, about what works best for your business. Um, But at some point, I'm just going to make it up. If your business has $250,000 a year in revenue and you're not on payroll, you might be flagging yourself for an audit, Mm -hmm. okay? So what payroll does is it forces you to pay what are called payroll taxes. So that's just employer-employee taxes that you owe the government. Every time money changes hands, the IRS taxes it. That's the way government works. Sales tax, income tax, gift tax, like that. All the tax. all the tax. It's it's just after the tax extension deadline today. So I got my bill today. Um, yes. Um, proud to say I can pay it. (laughs) I'm like many years in the past. Uh, so, um, so I would say, and the other thing payroll does is it allows you to maximize your deferrals into a 401k. As long, as soon as you have employees, you can start a 401k, it is kind of expensive and we're jumping the gun a little bit because there's other startup accounts I would recommend before that. But at some point, if you have a legit business, I mean, if you're making a thousand dollars a month and you're happy with that and that works for your household, you may never have to go on payroll. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that may always be a 1099 low overhead type of situation. And if it adds to your family finances in a meaningful way, keep it simple. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I know we didn't, I didn't start moving into the, until I became an S corp, you know, we were probably close to half a million dollar company at that point. Did I become an employee? And then I moved one of my contractors into being an employee and really started to understand this world that Hillary is talking about. And so keeping it simple is the best way to get started, right? 
it was great to go, let me cross a bridge now that I've come up to it instead of let me panic and try to figure out a hundred things when I'm I not quite there yet. I agree with you. Yeah. N number one thing in business, rising tide rises all boats. You got a business problem, make more money, you can solve it. <laughs> right. That's right. So go sell some stuff, you. babe. Yeah, go sell some stuff, babe. So speaking of that, let's talk about, because I think so many of these questions are answered from having uh, somebody help you with your taxes or having somebody help you with finances, getting a bookkeeper. You know, when would you recommend Hillary, like doing your own stuff and trying to fumble your way forward versus like hiring some people to help you? And at what levels do you think that those hires should take place? So and this isn't from a financial perspective, but I always had a business coach. I, mm -hmm. I just so someone like you to guide us in terms of strategy. Uh, I interestingly, I'm a certified financial planner. I've never done my own books. So I had someone with me when I went out on my own who just opened up a QuickBooks file for me. Um, but my answer to when to diversify, uh, or excuse me, when to delegate is the word I'm looking for is the minute you don't have time to do the selling things that are making you money. There so you in go. the beginning, maybe you're wearing all the hats. I mean, a QuickBooks can't be that hard to figure out with, you know, 10 transactions a week or something. Right. right? Um, uh, and you're probably not going to set your books up right. But you know what? It's not that hard for a professional to go back and fix it a year later or whatever, even two years later. Um, but again, you want to know exactly how many selling activities you want to do be doing during the week. And n as soon as that gets interrupted or invaded upon, definitely be delegating and outsourcing. Bookkeepers yes. are not expensive, you know, and um, and that goes hand in hand with tax prep. Uh, I do think if you have a wage income and you own a home, you might be able to use TurboTax just fine. Mm -hmm. But the minute you have a business, mm -hmm. a, ta a good tax prep person is worth their weight. Well, I'll say or maybe worth their weight in silver. A good yes. tax strategy person is worth uh, their weight in gold. Yeah. So tax prep is backward looking. Tax strategy is forward looking. The most frequent complaint I hear is my tax guy never gives me tells me what to do next year. That, yes. Those are two different services. Okay. <laughs> so I'm preparing your taxes. I'm looking at the, I'm, I'm looking at calendar year 2022. Right. If I'm giving you tax strategy, I'm looking at your life. I'm looking at how you run your business. I'm looking at your family, right? So like some people, you know, you might be able to hire your kids as models and pay right. them from the business, right? But that's something I need to do consultative work to figure out. Yeah. So good tax strategists are becoming more rare. I think there's some... The narrative is that AI is going to take over what they do. And so I'm seeing fewer and fewer good young people come into the profession. So we're wow. holding on to our tax strategy people like white knuckled. Yes. Um, so if you, if you have a good one, hang on to them and pay them well. <laughs> and if not, come and hire Hillary's team. <laughs> no, I don't do it. I don't do it. Oh, you don't do tax strategy. Well, <laughs> according to the government, I'm not allowed to. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. What happens yes. behind closed doors? I definitely have conversations with people, but not sure. officially. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Yeah. And I do think sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Like you'll go and hire a CPA or somebody to do your taxes and they'll seem fine. And then, you know, starting to think about like, 
are they helping you with these forward thinking things? And just even asking those questions can help you figure out, is this the right person who might have a little bit of that strategy brain in there? Like, what do you think for next year? And if I'm projecting this amount of money, what should I be paying myself next year? They should have answers to these questions. Um, if they don't and they're going, here's your return, thank you, goodbye, you might want to shop around a little bit and see if you can find somebody yeah. that's able to, to, to answer that stuff for you. And it's that what you want to ask them is, will you offer me tax strategy or tax planning? And mm -hmm. you, they may ask you, and righteously so, to pay additional for that. It's like yes. a separate engagement, right? Exactly. So the tax return costs X, tax, tax strategy costs X plus Y. And that's exactly. legit. That's legit. legit. And at, at one point I was able to, because we were making money in the business and I was able to sell the things, go and get like a package deal where it had the bookkeeping and the tax planning and the strategy and the filing and I pay a monthly fee. And so that's something you guys can grow into as you know, but move, make the sales. And then the, these are things that they can help you. With, right? right. So good. Okay. So the next question, Hillary is how can you man maximize, excuse me, the tax benefits of owning a business? So this is not, it's not easy to wrap your arms around, but the biggest tax deduction Congress gives us is probably the mortgage interest deduction. So if you could own a business, which is completely ancillary to this, excuse me, if you can own a, a house with a mortgage, uh -huh. yep. I know, and I do apologize, interest rates have gone up. It was much easier to have this conversation when they were, when they were 3%, but uh -huh. that's a great tax deduction. The okay. next biggest tax deduction is the 401k. Uh, there's uh, other versions of the 401k. There's the SEP or uh, SEP. It stands for simplified employee pension. The simple is a low cost, but also lower tax deduction version of the 401k. Uh, but as soon as I could, I set up a full 401k with matching for my employees. This allows me to deduct well, in three years, I'll be able to deduct $30,000 a year plus my safe harbor match, mm. which is, I think, an additional $5,000 a year right off the top of my income. And I'm taking money away from Uncle Sam and I'm giving it to myself. So yeah. I get to keep that money, that tax savings until I turn 59 and a half and I start paying myself and then I owe it back to him. But <clears throat> I get to earn compound returns, which grow... Yeah like two plus two is four plus two is six. That's not compound. Two plus two is four. And then plus four is eight plus eight is 16 plus 16 is 32. These numbers grow fast. And that really is the benefit of saving in a 401k plan. Again, a SEP is going to look, those compound returns are, are going to look the same. Yes. But it's those two things that Congress does for us that if you can take advantage of them, you really are doing yourself a favor. Do you have to be an LLC or S Corp to have a 401k and start investing in your own 401k? You do not. Uh, if you do not have employees, you can start a solo 401k. But again, you have to have no employees. As soon as you ha start having employees, you can change that. And my in my first couple of years, I did a solo 1k, then I changed it to a SEP. Mm -hmm. And with the SEP, you have to allow employees to contribute. You do not have to match their contributions. Okay. Um, the okay. contributions to the SEP are limited to you to be 25% of your profits. So okay. if you want to put $5,000 into your SEP in 2023, you have to show $20,000 in profits. Contrast that with a solo 401k 
you can put in almost $20,000 with no profits. Mm. So it's not limited by the profits that you're showing on your tax return or in your, in your, in your P and L. Okay. So the answer to which account is right for you is a function of your business income, your profits, but also really your household income. Because if your spouse or partner is making enough money to pay the bills, then you can afford to save almost all of your, in your business income for your future. And that may be appropriate for your financial planning. That's great. And I could see a little bit of confusion, maybe foresight here on, okay, that sounds good, but I don't know where to set one up or how to set that up. What would you say to those people who have no clue what that means or how to get started with that? Sure. Um, So most custodians, custodians are like Fidelity, Vanguard, Wells Fargo, places where you can have investment accounts will allow you to have a 401k, a solo 401k in those places. I believe I use Gusto for payroll and my 401k. Okay. Oh, nice. I didn't know Gusto did the 401k. Gusto. Gusto. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, so you're, you're looking for low cost. Again, you always want a great portal, um, but they'll be able to tell you straight away whether they allow solo 401ks or SEPs. Uh, a lot of people think SEP stands for self-employment pension. It does not. It's simplified employee pension. It doesn't really matter. It's SEP. Yeah. Um, and they can tell you whether they allow those types of accounts. But you, oh, like Charles Schwab, Vanguard, those would be other places where you can start looking. You can just go to their website and... Exactly. Oh, type into Google, open a solo 401k. Fantastic. That's so great. Okay. Is there anything else, Hillary, that comes to mind that you think would set anyone up for success that's kind of newish in their business um, as far as any of this is concerned? Maybe a last word on savings or anything that you think we've missed? Um, too many business owners that I see get distracted with the busyness of, of running a business and they forget that the whole purpose is to capture the value you're creating for yourself and your family if you have one. So yes, to having a ramp up phase, maybe in the first 12 months, you're not able to pay yourself or save money really. But mm-hmm. ultimately, if you're, you know, go, you want to make plans in your business to have your prices be high enough and your sales be high enough. And I know that's kind of elusive sometimes um, so that you can both pay yourself and save something for your future and saving something on a consistent basis is really the quickest way to those compound returns that I was talking about. And just right in hand in hand with that, you know, and I've, I've kind of alluded to it over this conversation is until you hire someone as your VP of sales, you are her, you Mm -hmm. are it. (laughs) So for example, uh, my Mondays and Tuesdays are always full of selling activities, right? So I do that first. I make sure that that's handled. Otherwise my North star is off, right? Cause I don't have a VP of sales. I'm it. Mm -hmm. And however you set that up for yourself, this kind of thing is going to be the linchpin to, again, when the tax bill comes in, there's money enough to pay it. Uh, when you need to pay a bookkeeper, a 50 bucks a month or 200 bucks a month, it's there, right? Um, You know, it's different in your personal life. It's more about maximizing what you get for what you've got, right? Like keeping your expenses low and saving the rest in your business. It really is about filling those coffers and, um, and always have an, an eye on return on investment. Such good advice. 
Man, this has been amazing. Thank you so much, Hillary. Yeah, thank for you. Pouring out and just helping us really understand these concepts that seem to be so scary, but in reality, I think can be simplified. Um, where can everybody come and hang out with you and listen to your show and learn more about, yeah. about what you offer? Thank you. Uh, you can find everything about my business at HendershotWealth.com, but really you're already in your podcast player. If you have room in your podcast lineup, just come check us out at Love Your Money with Hillary Hendershot. Amazing. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. Did you have fun or learn something? Leave mama a review. Pretty please. I hope you loved today's episode, friend. I pray it stretched you, challenged you, or grew you in some way. If so, would you stop right now and share this episode with someone else who's been praying for a business breakthrough? It would also bless me big if you'd take 30 seconds and leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts. Lastly, come watch my free workshop where I'll teach you how to grow your online business in less than two hours a week using podcasting. Watch right now at podcastforgrowth.com. I'll see you in a few days. God bless.